Welcome to everybody. And what we're talking about today is the fourth quarter for 2022 market wrap up, as well as 2023 market predictions. Obviously, the big news of 2022 was the rising interest rates. They had everybody sort of on the ropes, didn't really know where it was going to stop. Um, and it, it just went up and up and up. And that led to sticker shock for a lot of buyers. But as we focus in on the Manhattan market, what we'll see is that the rising interest rates did lead to a substantial slowdown. And um, it also did lead to some price decreases. Welcome to Real Talk with the Queen's Home Team, where we talk about life, business, and everything related to the New York City real estate market. Here is this week's episode. Enjoy. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the channel. This is Daniel Ackerman, your Manhattan and Brooklyn listing specialist for the team. Welcome to everybody. And what we're talking about today is the fourth quarter for 2022 market wrap up, as well as 2023 market predictions. Now, this is going out on both our YouTube channel and our podcast, Real Talk with QHT, at the same time. So if you're listening on the podcast, thank you so much. You can always subscribe to the podcast and download our episodes at iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And make sure to check out our YouTube channel. If you go to YouTube and search Queen's Home Team, you'll find us. We have all of our property tours there, ton of other videos and helpful information there as well. So we do encourage you to check out both platforms. And if you are one of our YouTube viewers, make sure to check out our podcast, Real Talk with QHT. Go to iTunes, Spotify, wherever you find your podcasts, and um, you can search Real Talk with QHT, and you can sign up there. And of course, please do consider subscribing to our YouTube channel and hit the um, notification bell, and you will get notifications of all our new content every time we put something up. So, Without uh, w with all that out of the way, let's talk about the fourth quarter of 2022. Now, this report is on our website as a blog post. So if you go to www.queenshometeam, go to our blog section, you will see a blog there for um, the market wrap up of 2022 and the 2023 predictions. We go into a lot more depth, a lot more data there. There's a whole downloadable report. There are links to that in the description below if you're on YouTube and in the description for our podcast channel, but you can go to our website and download the report there for all of the data. We go very in depth, so make sure you check that out. Um, but basically, summing up 2022, Obviously, the big news of 2022 was the rising interest rates. They had everybody sort of on the ropes, didn't really know where it was going to stop. Um, and it, it just went up and up and up at a at a sort of breakneck speed throughout the whole year. I don't think there's ever been interest rates um, uh, um you know, jacked up uh, as quickly as we saw through 2022. And that led to sticker shock for a lot of buyers. Buyers were just getting a little bit of whiplash from the interest rates going up. And that, of course, had an impact on the Manhattan and Brooklyn markets. 
Now, George has gone over the Queens market. I'm going over just the effects on the Manhattan market, and they are different. Um, so the information that George goes over for the Queens market, you'll find, is different from the Manhattan market. But as we focus in on the Manhattan market, um, what we'll see is that the rising interest rates did lead to a substantial slowdown, and um, it also did lead to some price decreases. We saw prices decrease in Manhattan more than anywhere else in New York City. Um, we didn't really see much price um, drops in Queens, for example. Prices, if you look at the overall Queens market, prices stayed relatively stable. But in Manhattan, what we saw were price drops of about 5 to 6% in the fourth quarter of 2022 relative to where they were uh, in the fourth quarter of 2021. Not surprising when you consider the fact that the fourth quarter of 2021 was a record-setting quarter. Third and fourth quarter of 2021 were just uh, on fire in Manhattan, and that was bound to change. But definitely the interest rates you know, were uh, an unpleasant wake-up call that kind of knocked things over uh, into a slower, uh, a slower environment very, very quickly. So that was the big headline. Prices down about 5% across the across the entire market. Days on market um, has also gone up. That's how long it takes a seller to find a buyer. All right, now that uh, that average went up to about 85 days, whereas at the end of 2021, it was hovering around the mid 60s, 65 days or so, which is as low as it's been um, in the last five or six years. So the end of 2020, 2021 was really sort of a, an exceptional, exceptionally fast selling uh, time period. We're in a more sort of normal space now around 85 days, which is still fairly healthy. If we go back to pre-pandemic, um, we were kind of easing into a buyer's market at that point, and uh, we were seeing days on market of 90 to 110 days. So we're still better than where we were then, but we're not as well off in terms of how quickly things are selling as we were, let's say, a year ago. So days on market up 30%. Uh, from 2021. Now, that being said, uh, we are also seeing a sales to list ratio. Now, that what, to explain what that number means, that's kind of the what we call the negotiability. You know, where sellers list versus where they end up selling, what is that proportion? So, on a really, really strong market, you'll see it at around two to three percent um, sales sales to list ratio, or, or I should say, ninety eight to ninety seven percent sales to list ratio. Meaning that if you sell for let's if you list for a million dollars, you would sell for about ninety eight to ninety seven percent of that, ninety seven to ninety eight percent of that. So nine eighty nine seventy. Um, now, in the fourth quarter of 2022, we saw that sellers were getting about 95.7% of their asking price. That is less than what they were getting the year before. So definitely, we're finding that buyers have more, negoti more negotiating uh, power, and uh, sellers are having to negotiate a little bit more in order to get the job done and get the, get the sale done. Now, here's an interesting point. Price per square foot actually went up. Now, that's an interesting metric. Um, that the way I look at that is that buyers were not backing out of the market entirely. What was happening is they were getting knocked down into a different segment, 
either smaller apartments, maybe they went from looking at a two-bedroom to a one-bedroom, or from a three-bedroom to a two-bedroom, or instead of getting 1,200 square feet for, for their the amount of money that they had, they were getting 1,000 square feet, and they were spending the same amount. So that means to me, and I, I don't know that this is a fact, but this is my interpretation of the data, um, that means to me that buyers still were motivated to buy. They weren't backing out of the market entirely, but they were forced to get smaller apartments for the same amount of money. A um, couple of other interesting uh, points. The resale condo market uh, overall decreased about 2% in price. Okay, The resale co-op market overall dropped about 3%. And the luxury sector overall stayed pretty much flat. New development dropped about 4% in price. If we look at um, the median price per square foot, condos went up about 4%, which kind of echoes what I was just talking about, that people were willing to spend the money, but they were having to get a smaller apartment. Um, Days on market went up 35% for condos. And the sales to list ratio was down about uh, one and a quarter percent. If we look at those numbers in co-ops, interesting. Median price per square foot in co-ops dropped. So that meant that rather than buy co-ops, maybe some of those buyers were actually switching over and looking at smaller condos if they could if they could afford it. But they weren't willing to go into smaller condos, or rather smaller co-ops. And I think really that boils down to the maintenance charges. People weren't willing to spend the money on maintenance charges um, and the limitations that come with owning a co-op and still have to shell out those um, those high mortgage interest rates. Um, days on market went up 23% amongst the um, co-op market, and the sales to list ratio was basically flat. No change really from the prior year. In the luxury sector, Medium price per square foot went up 6%. Again, really echoing that the buyers that were on the market were willing to spend the money, they were willing to buy things, but they were forced to look at smaller apartments. Um, Days on market was up 41% for luxury sector, which just tells me that, now keep in mind in the luxury sector, you've got mansion taxes, your your closing uh, costs are higher. So this just tells me that it was really a lot harder for those luxury sellers to get their apartments moved because buyers were just being very, very careful about what they spent their money on. And the sales to list, list ratio, uh, again, um, up 1%. So um, there in the luxury sector, uh, sellers were getting 94.2% of asking price. Really, you want to be listing where you're getting 100% of your of your asking price. And the way you do that isn't by listing higher. Um, so, and in new development, if we look at new development, median price per square foot was up 2%. Days on market was up 36%. And sales to list ratio um, was up 2.29%. Um, now here, developers were smart. Developers were dropping their prices uh, because we see that the price change was was down was prices dropped four percent, but the sales to list ratio was ninety eight point three of asking price. So the developers were smart and knew that they had to lower their price in order to move their their units, and so they did that and they got very very close to their full asking price. Now, as we 
go down from there. We'll actually go down into the other neighborhoods. You can get this information on the downloadable report on our website. I'm not going to go into the neighborhood by neighborhood breakdown, but we have everything broken down by Upper Manhattan, Upper West Side, Upper East Side, Midtown, Downtown, and so on. And you can really see everything broken down, not only by property type, but by the geographic area of Manhattan and see how different areas of Manhattan fared. I think for now, we have a good high level overview. We get the gist of what was going on in the Manhattan market. I do want to just cover a couple of other uh, points here. Um, Supply currently for the overall market in Manhattan stands at 6,000 units. That's up 4%. Not a ton, but it's up. And whenever supply goes up, that tells you that things are kind of slowing down and prices will drop. Pending sales, big drop here. That means contract activity, right? So the amount of sales that are pending uh, or in contract, um, this is as of January 27th. So this includes uh, most of January, down 42% from the prior year. All right. Median sale price down 5%. So pretty much in keeping with where the fourth quarter was um, in December specifically, we were seeing um, median sale price down 5% to uh, the median sale price now for uh, market-wide in Manhattan is 1.1 million, okay? Uh, Monthly new supply is down, and this is really interesting, it's down 39%. So the supply is down and the contract activity is down. So it's helping to keep the market from just having the bottom fall out. Right. So supply is down 39 percent as of December. Um, But if we look at the monthly contract activity, that's down 46 percent. So it's down a little bit more than the supply is. In other words, contract activity is dropping faster than the supply is. Uh, And so we should expect to see lower prices, continuously lower prices. I don't think it'll be drastic but I do think that we will see prices continue to drop. And finally, I want to point out this interesting um, statistic for the month of December, the monthly absorption rate. Now, this is a great statistic for you sellers out there to understand and you buyers, but the absorption rate combines supply and demand together into one statistic. It tells you how many months of inventory you have on the market, and that accounts for the supply as well as how quickly they're selling. So a balanced market in Manhattan and throughout New York City is considered to be between five and seven months. Uh, That would be a balanced market. And currently, we're hovering right around five months, which is balanced territory. But we have dropping contract activity. We have dropping supply. We have increased days on market. We have all these things that are sort of making people nervous that the market is really tanking. But the absorption rate is telling us a different story. It's telling us that it's relatively stable right? Things are dropping, but supply, like I said before, is dropping as well. So things are relatively balanced, right? Now, if you're a seller, it's worthwhile to keep in mind that things are balanced, but they're still in some ways, you know, buyers are feeling like it's a buyer's market. And in some ways it is, you know, with all of that, um, you know, that the decrease in contract activity. So you want to be sensitive about how you price. Don't go crazy on pricing. Be conservative. You still have to appeal to buyers and, and represent value to the buyers that are out there. But buyers, be aware that this is not uh, a market where you have infinite some infinite amounts of um, negotiating leverage. It's still a relatively balanced market. So, you know, it's it, 
buyers and sellers are going to have to feel each other out over the coming year. Um, buyers, you can definitely find some deals out there. Make sure you are looking not just at your price limit, but maybe even a little bit beyond because you never know if you find a seller that is in a tough situation and willing to negotiate. Sellers, be sensitive, be realistic, market your your um, your properties well by having an attractive list price. And most likely you're going to beat out your competition and have more offers on the table, which gives you a little bit more leverage to negotiate and get closer to your number. So that's kind of how buyers and sellers are going to need to feel each other out over the coming year, which is a perfect segue into talking about 2023. What's going to happen in 2023? Well, we realtors never have a crystal ball. And this year, more than any, <laughs> the last couple of years have been, you know, a sort of a, a story of your guess is as good as mine. Now, my educated guess is that this is a new normal. We're settling into these newer interest rates. They aren't crazy high. They feel high because we've been at artificially low interest rates now since 2010. Um, and when the pandemic hit, they dropped to near zero. So those are artificially low rates. The rates now are not historically high rates. Um, the inflation was high, but the mortgage interest rates are actually still below the 30-year average, which is hovering at around a high 7, low 8%. We are now in the mid-sixes, so we're still below the 30-year average um, for mortgage interest. Now, some pundits think that we may see rates drop as low as 5.5%. Some think that we'll settle right around where we are now, the mid-sixes, and others feel that we'll land somewhere in between. A lot of that has to do with what happens with inflation and whether or not we enter into a recession. Now, the recession fears were more pronounced sort of in October of this year. We really, there was a sort of a wide consensus that we were going to see a recession. That's no longer the case. There are still people that think we are either entering a recession or already in one. Uh, you know, the typical definition of a recession is uh, six months of no GDP growth uh, or two consecutive quarters with zero GDP growth. So some people think we've already seen that. Um, some people think we're just in a housing recession. Some people don't even agree on what the definition of a, of a recession is anymore, which makes it really, really difficult to forecast anything with any sort of certainty. The bottom line is that Inflation has peaked. It's now leveling off. We think that the worst is over with interest rates and with inflation. So we may see them tick up a little bit. We may see them tick down a little bit. I, I personally don't feel that there is going to be a drastic drop in interest rates because the Fed really only does that if there's a financial crisis that needs to be addressed. If we were into a deep recession, uh, a housing crisis, which I don't see happening, um, like we saw in 2008 with the subprime mortgage crisis, um, you know, we're not in that situation right now where uh, where I, I, I see the market sort of collapsing and the Fed having to counteract that by drastically lowering interest rates. If anything, the, the increase, the rate increases will just taper off. Uh, I think we're going to uh, still see one or two uh, further rate increases. Uh, but as far as how they affect mortgage interest, I think we'll see that leveling off. Uh, we may see it dropping somewhat, but I think ultimately we'll probably settle somewhere between six and six and a half percent, somewhere in that, you know, 6.25, six and three eighths range. I don't know that for sure, but that's kind of my gut feeling. 
And that's still a good area. That's still a good interest range. Just for perspective, 2007, when the market was on fire going crazy, interest rates were higher than that. They were hovering right around 7%. So, you know, I don't see that uh, we're going to get much, you know, drastically lower rates. I don't think that they'll be much higher. I think if I had to guess that we'll settle in those low sixes, and I think that we are going to settle into a new normal here. But sellers need to be sensitive about what buyers are facing, and buyers need to realize that this is still a good time to buy. Even though the interest is higher, you can still benefit from purchasing a home. There's still long-term benefits to be had because it will more than pay for itself over time uh, if you if you buy now, um, given the historic performance of the um, uh, of the New York of the Manhattan real estate market you will see benefit over time. Might not be, see benefit if you're trying to sell in two or three years. It might take a little longer, but this is still a good time to buy as long as you are smart about what to buy given the money that you have currently. So everybody, I hope that that's helpful. I'm sorry that we can't be a little bit more precise with our predictions, but it is. there are a lot of factors that are you know constantly moving and it's difficult to, to know these things for sure. We'll definitely be keeping our finger on the pulse and keeping you informed. If you found this information helpful and you're watching on YouTube, please give it a thumbs up. You know, consider subscribing to the channel and hitting the notifications um, icon and you will get uh, notifications of all of our new content every time we upload it, as well as our property tours, all of our Q&A stuff. We have great videos that we put up. And um, if you're listening on the podcast, thank you so much for joining us. Do consider subscribing and downloading our other episodes on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. Once again, my name is Daniel Ackerman, your Manhattan and Brooklyn listing specialist for the team. Thanks for joining us, and we hope to have you back again soon. Take care.